What's the use? What's the purpose? Why does everything have to have a purpose? The world is a jungle. And if you want my advice, Anthony, don't expect happiness. You won't get it. People let you down. And I'm not naming any names. But in the end, you die in your own arms. You mean alone? It's all a big nothing. What makes you think you're so special? Truer words have never been spoken. Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a soprano sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, and damn it, Livia Soprano, don't make me like you. <laughs> she has to. Uh. She's very likable in doses. In doses, I imagine she is very, very likable. Uh, we are discussing season two, episode seven, D Girl, and we will not be discussing any spoilers past this point. This episode was written by Todd A. Kessler, who also created the show's Damages and the Netflix show Bloodlines. Uh, this huh. is the first we've seen of him, and uh, he writes. Another another four episodes coming up in the future. This is directed by Alan Coulter, who we've uh, heard, seen before with the episodes College, Isabella, and Guy walks into a psychiatrist's office, and we will see his name again. Yeah. I, can, I imagine we will. Yeah. Uh, did you see any of those other shows this writer made? I would assume not. I didn't. I did. I have watched. I didn't finish it, but at the time, um, I watched the first season of Damages. Damages was a pretty decent show. Uh, I think it was one of those, then it got canceled, then it got brought back, and then all this other stuff. I don't know where it went from there, but I remember watching the first season, and it was okay. Well, speaking of canceled and brought back, let's talk about uh, fucking Christopher and his creative endeavors, yeah. because uh, I swear to God, every time this gets brought up in an episode, it ends with, like, and he never wrote again. <laughs> two episodes later, it's a whole episode's about it, so uh, I don't believe it's over, and I don't believe it ever will be over until he's uh, a big shot Hollywood director slash murderer slash crazy person. Well, I mean, as we said, we won't discuss spoilers past this point. Uh, it should be noted that, Jacob, this is his first go-round with the Sopranos. Uh, I've seen it a few times. I'll just say that maybe you're right, and this might not be the last we've heard of Ooh. Christopher's Hollywood endeavors, but um, I, as you may know if you listen to this show and heard our past episodes, I'm always a sucker for the Hollywood Christopher Moltisanti. Uh, I love this angle that we uh, get to play around with, and they get to kind of poke some fun at Hollywood, and this episode is ripe with it. Oh, yes, it is very, very ripe. I just mean, like, the very first episode of The Sopranos, I think, ends with Tony saying to Christopher, like, you either go write your screenplay or you hang with me. And Christopher, like, nods, like, oh, yeah, I'll hang with him. It's the same well, ending of this episode. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do believe in that scene. In, I believe, yeah, I think you're right. It is the pilot. He does mention that his cousin is dating a development girl. So this is kind of the payoff for that. Damn. Bam, playing the long game yeah, on the Sopranos. Yeah. And actually, real quick, before we get more into the episodes, I do want to, uh, this is a quick general feedback that we did get on the email. You can email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com from Jason G. Just saying, hey, guys, just found your podcast. After the first episode, I'm hooked. Easy listening, very informative, and bringing back some fun memories from the series. I've watched the entire series eight times myself. Looking forward to making it through your catalog about the greatest show of all time. Now, we didn't specify, but I assume he's talking about The Sopranos here and maybe not our Westworld podcast or our uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale podcast. 
Or yeah, maybe yeah. he's talking about our Stranger Things podcast. So who yeah, knows? Yeah, all, all of which you can find <laughs> at showswhatyouknow.com. Uh, but yeah, I would also assume so. Uh, it would be hard to classify any of those as the greatest show of all time because you don't know if anything's actually good until it's dead. Just like human beings, you don't know if they're good or bad until the very end. So I can't really say for sure on Christopher where he's going. Uh, well, but I feel like... If we're if we if we're to believe this episode, if his Hollywood career is dead, was he good or bad? What his the his, career? His Hollywood. Uh, career. I mean, he did do. Uh, he did snort cocaine with John Favreau, so you know, wasn't all bad. Yeah. Had some peaks. Had some valleys, though. Yeah, it did. Uh, but yeah, okay. So real quick, it does start out. We see a car get beeped at and go crazy and kind of sideswipe a landscaping van, and we find out AJ is up to his old tricks again. But hey, he's cruising around with some chicks at least. He's uh, trying to sow some of his wild oats. And boys will be boys, I think, as Tony even says in this episode. But he knocks the mirror off and scrapes up the car. Yep, very true. I mean, I know I said at the start of this season, like, wow, it's really looks. It looks a lot like AJ's just burst out of his shell and become a real grown-up little boy. But then all his friends look way older than him. <laughs> he still looks like the little kid. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Then we. Then we cut to uh, Christopher and meeting with his cousin and his fiance, and we find out that, yes, she does work for the one and only John Favreau, which it's great because you can kind of tell in the episode. I mean, I guess he's not quite a household name, but he's pretty close to a household name now. I mean, obviously, he's much bigger. He's directed Iron Man and Iron Man 2, and he's in the Marvel movies as well, and he can't get bigger than that. But, like, in the show, they have to keep kind of having ways to explain who he is in a way, just in case people don't know. Because they'll be like, yeah. they'll just mention, like, Swingers and uh, Rocky Marciano or whatever that movie was that he was in as a boxer. Yeah, I mean, of course, we all know him now as Rio Durant, the voice from Solo, A Star Wars Story, <laughs> yeah. where his most uh, notable role. Swingers I have not seen, and also apparently the Swedish title is Du Volibudana, according to... Uh, According you? to IMDb, which means which means, hey, where are them chicks at? So does uh, it really? I, yeah. yeah, you I haven't seen I Swingers. I don't know, but maybe I just knew it as Duvalibulana, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I'm I'm older than you clearly, and I mean, it is a '90s movie. But I just assume, like, for people that are in the game, like trying to get in on that uh, uh, Hollywood game, they've seen Swingers. Wannabe actor become regulars in the stylish Neo lounge scene. Trent teaches his friend Mike the unwritten rules of the scene. I still don't understand what that is about. Ah, uh, man. Well, I mean, uh, uh, I'm going to have to do a podcast on swingers. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if it holds up. It's hard to say if it holds up or if it uh, plays to fresh eyes here in 2018, but swingers is a pretty classic movie. Um, and, of course, then they did, like, the... The like spiritual follow up was a movie called Made that he directed, which has a bunch of people from The Sopranos in it. I think even Adriana and Big Pussy and a few other actors are in that. Um, but yeah, back to The Sopranos. Uh, they're explaining who he is, and of course Vince Vaughn's in it as well. Before Vince Vaughn was Wedding Crashers, Vince Vaughn, and what else is Vince Vaughn in? <laughs> he's in you stuff. Know, wait, he's in Swingers, right? Yes, he's, saying in, he's in this episode, and I just missed him. No, no, he's in Swingers because that's why Adriana keeps talking about him. Yeah, like even yeah. though the the D girl, she works for John Favreau, and then Adriana just keeps saying how like sexy Vince Vaughn is, and Christopher well, yeah. is clearly like kind I, of embarrassed by her. 
Well, yeah, but then later when they're talking to when they're talking about making his film, he's like, you know who would be great in this? Vince Vaughn, not you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so he also well, has a bit of a crush. Yeah. Some um, of my speaking fav- of a bit of a crush, though, oh, uh, we gotta mention that he goes and shoes away some bothersome boys, and this uh, the D girl really likes this. Does D stand for development? What is that? Yes, development girl. Mm. Which I guess is kind of, uh, as far as I know, what I've found online, it's kind of a sexist industry thing um, where, yeah, it is basically an intern or a girl that reads scripts and makes notes on scripts for producers. Uh, It's kind of a common um, entry-level job, apparently, although they're typically men, (laughs) from what I've read, anyways. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a pretty good. I mean, entry level. That's entry level. I will. I'll do that. Come on, it shows what you know. Show at gmail.com. Get in touch. Well, yeah, and I mean, clearly she's turned on by the power. I mean, we've seen this with other characters in this show. I mean, we always go back to the um, family counselor that the Melfies had, and how he was like, uh, you know, longing for the Jewish mafia. Like, uh, of course, there's a reason why people we watch these shows and watch these movies because. We love the power of the mob, and then she's kind of in awe that he can whisper, do a cool, cool guy whisper in the ear, and this gang of people leaves. Uh, I love that. Then they go back to the house, Adriana and Christopher, and they're making fun of how she dresses. <laughs> well, he he does. Uh, she's all about it, but of course he's like, "What was she wearing?" And also, fuck this. And she's like, "We should go to the set." And he's like, "Fuck going to the <laughs> set," which plays into our next scene with them. Yes, yeah. I mean, well, do you want to just kind of follow through their thing, or are we gonna? Well, you want yeah, to go I back mean, and forth? Otherwise, we're just gonna go into niche. So yeah. I, I think we should uh, stick with their storyline for a bit. Why not? I mean, we show up at the set. Adriana is conspicuously missing, yeah. and uh, we get some great lines from these actors who are real actors and everything. They did. They pulled out the stops on this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm a sucker for this shit when they're filming on a fake movie set and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of being douchey like John Favreau I like well I mean all the actors that are playing themselves I like their the their send up of kind of the the Hollywood type like even he's kind of at first he doesn't know he doesn't know who Christopher is and he's like oh yeah thanks for coming out like f- seriously this is great like I love this article yeah. you're writing on me and then when they find out, oh, no, no, this is the New Jersey guy. And they're all yeah. kind of, again, in awe of his uh, stature as just Christopher Maltesanti, which we know the audience is just kind of a schlub, uh, like an annoying uh, <laughs> an annoying kid to, that messes with Tony Soprano most of the time. But, uh, of course, you're in awe of him. He's great. And he gives them well, a... Makes- oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it makes sense because you're surrounded by these uh, movie and television people all day. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's the Jersey guy. Ooh, that's way more exciting because that's actually someone who's part of real stories. We just make make-believe stories over here. Maybe we can squeeze them, get some nice juicy details to drip all over our script. Well, and the great thing going on here, uh, if you look at it through the lens of 2018, you know, we want to talk about representation. Uh, behind the camera, in front of the camera, they're making a movie that's directed by a woman about two lesbian criminals and their romance. Like, this movie is 2018 in a nutshell. This is the thing we've been thirsty for. Little did we know that in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were just pumping these things out. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, where is this film? I guess (laughs) at uh, Sundance or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he gives them the great note of Bukiak, which means cunt. 
um mm-hmm. and it's just, everyone's kind of in everyone's in awe of that as well like oh okay yeah that's interesting we you just want a word that sounds interesting uh, well yes i am trying to find the exact episode of jim and them yeah. where i learned what a bugyak is but i can't find it uh, i do wish i could just give you the exact line usually we give a vague vague sort of uh, sponsorship and like please check out jimandthem.com but if you want to know more about b- the origins of the word bugyak find it on jimandthem.com well i mean not to pat myself on the back but it's jim and them episode 191 and it's called show them your bukiak and <laughs> it's uh because it's a show it's an episode where we were going over i believe the the situation's uncle made some blogs and that was a line that he ha- oh the situation's dad that's what it was yeah. and uh yeah, he calls the, himself from- the confrontation <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, from Jersey Shore, and he yeah. calls everyone a bugyak. Uh So that's that's where we know that from. But they're like, oh yeah, that sounds better. That sounds better than bitch. Wouldn't it be bad if she called me bitch? Yeah, it's way way better to call you uh, bugyak. Well, and I love they're doing things too, like um, Amy the D girl. She like whispers to Christopher because Sandra Bernhard has a silencer in her gun, and she's like, oh, the yeah. silencer represents like the silence of her voice, like. Kind of, you know, pretentious uh, Hollywood garbage like that when it's just some, you know, schlocky uh, crime like Tarantino ripoff movie, but they're trying to add a lot of layers to it. Well, I was thinking they're, they're fucking stomping all over our stomping grounds. That's yeah. what we're doing with the Sopranos. Oh, the silence. Yes, the, the wire that pussy is putting on is like, a, you know, a silencer of a gum. Um, and then, yeah, then he kind of gets to a point where he's giving them like a Jersey tour. And I like, yeah. they're even in awe of him being like Coke and a slice. And they're like, Ooh, Coke and oh, a slice. Yeah. Like, this is real. Oh, <laughs> we'll have a Coke. <laughs> What's this uh, local delicacy? We'll have one of those. Yeah. They don't know how to act or anything. And they're sort of, uh, in awe and, uh, get a little, little story time in there as well. Which is not very 2018. Not a very 2018 story, they tell. Um, oh, yeah. No, that's not very 2018. Yeah, it's about a, a trans woman who um, uh, tricks a wise guy who then th- <laughs> gets acid. I mean, I guess the, the acid part's 2018. Aren't acid attacks on the rise? Anyways, he gets acid and he starts throwing it on her. And they see this burned up person. And, you know, Christopher tells this great story which, you know, does come up later on. They do, the, the, the movie they're talking about, they're talking about Joe Gallo, uh, who I guess was an enforcer and a hitman for the Joe Profaci crime family. Oh, uh, he ran what? floating dice and high-stakes card games in an extortion racket and numbers game. And, yeah, Christopher, of course, is making comments like, uh, I don't see you as Joe Gallo. I mean, I could play Gallo, but, I mean, I don't want to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> or Vince Vaughn and he I love my favorite parts of the episode are when he's sniping at um swingers like just making comments about kind of how shitty it is yep yeah I mean also um the D girl says uh when he, he's telling this story she just pitches in like crying game and Favreau is like, no, this is not a movie. This happened to a real person. <laughs> like, but she's doing what we all do. We're yeah. like, oh yeah, reference, yes. reference. Ah, reference. And actually, the if you go to the Wikipedia, the reference cultural references section is so long in this episode because they they cram in even more than is in a in an episode of shows what you know. Absolutely, yes. And yeah, he he mentions that Swingers kind of has a little bit too much pussy assness in the movie. Um, which, you know, John Favreau does say it's kind of the point. Um, and then, yeah, later on with their scene, as we kind of go through this storyline here, 
Christopher shows up for a meeting and John Favreau is, you know, do not disturb. Uh, I won't take calls. And then Christopher meets up with Amy again, the D girl. Uh, and they talk about his script and it's great because I mean, we've seen, we've seen like little excerpts of his script and we know there's a lot of misspellings and garbage in it. And now they mention a line. That's what, I don't know whether to shit or go blind. It was that the line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, but then he means like literally that character is going to go blind later. Like, (laughs) yeah. Or maybe his dad was, or or his dad. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, at the same time, I mean, the I mean, I'm sure she's right with her feedback, but but she says like, oh no, this needs to happen on page two, and this needs to happen on page ninety. I'm sure that is very much a thing, especially with uh, television, because you want to hit the points as you go to the commercial breaks and everything. But I feel that way of thinking is very much out of style um, these days. That you have to do something by a certain page, especially if you're making like a lesbian Tarantino movie. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the page number things, but I think all the general stuff is still the same because everyone's always oh, yeah. talking about, oh, these are Act 2 problems, these are Act 3 problems, ooh. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, like, they keep, like, uh, when at first they first walk in the hotel room, like, the shot, like, her panties are, like, on a chair. Yep. Then she, like, moves them to the bed, but then she's like, come sit over here, and then she gets to move them again. So I guess... Her not so subtle sig- uh, signals that she keeps throwing out at Christopher, because plus she's in a bathrobe, and but meanwhile it is his cousin's uh, fiance. Uh, but needless to say, they get it on. Yes, I guess they could be different panties. It was a very similar <laughs> make, but uh, yeah, no, exactly. They fo- they they focus on it uh, a bit, and it all escalates, and uh, they do the deed, and it it seems like. Uh, Christopher's not necessarily used to a woman being so businesslike and in charge. Yes, yeah, and I it's also the hint that she is getting off on being in charge of a powerful man type deal, mm-hmm. like cuz she saw like how he commanded the room uh previously in the bar, making the guy leave, stuff like that. Uh and going back real quick like you said about her, her feedback on her script. I don't think it's right where she's saying like that it's good. Uh like oh no yeah so all her feedback is not correct because it's not good Um, a lot of raw emotion i guess it does have a lot of raw emotion in it but mm, you know you know and then we finally get uh christopher gets to hang out with john favreau and i mean the 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 scene opens he's blasts in a big line of coke and i think john favreau says something like oh i guess we don't need coffee anymore um but then again what are are we supposed to believe that john favreau is not doing coke yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly, Jim. I, also, he I mean, he said he brought him, like, a great sandwich or whatever the fuck. Was it just really cocaine in there, or was the cocaine already in the hotel room? Oh, yes, yes. But either way, Christopher's high, and he's trying to ask him about the script. And John Favreau asks him if he's strapped. And, of course, he is. Pulls out his gun. And he kind of wants to ask him if he's ever killed somebody. And Christopher yep. wants him to say the words. Yeah, but Christopher's just kind of getting all into it and, you know, kind of manhandling him a little bit, alpha him, uh, you know, wrestling around like good friends do. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, if this is how our podcast went, um, first off, I'm glad we're in different countries. And second off, Christopher is a fucking crazy person. I, I mean, I know he did some drugs just then, but he does drugs all the time. He's always doing these drugs. I guess he is. it also does cause him to, like, slap his girlfriend and do all sorts of dumb shit. So it's not super surprising, but it's it's funny how he goes from this intensely, like, yeah, come on, say it, say it, and then, like, stop again. And then he's just sitting there, like, so tell me about the, what do you think about the script? And he's like, listening so intently that... Favreau is like, uh, mm, has to squeeze some stuff out and he doesn't know if it's going to go over well. Of course, Christopher looks cr- completely crazy, but then he goes like, that's genius. I need to write that down. And he's like, oh my God. Well, yeah. I mean, well, first, Christopher has another comment about swingers and he talks about how the acting kind of sucks because Christopher brings up how he had an acting class. And then he's like, well, I didn't need it though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just another like, because he's so great, basically. And he's like, I just want to work behind the scenes, you know? Uh, and uh, then he, you know, that's the other thing about swingers that he didn't like. He's like, oh, the acting? He's like, yeah, you know, Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan. Now there's some acting. Yeah. Uh, and I love it because he, you know, he brings up, this, he's like, you know, well, you can't really compare those. One of them's about like World War II. Another one's about guys trying to get blowjobs in Vegas. And then Christopher just says, well, you made the movie. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's his fault. <laughs> uh, and I love getting these little bits and pieces of Christopher's script because we we find out that I believe Frankie is the main character and yeah John Favreau is like trying to find it's probably very easy for him to talk to some you know wannabe screen screenwriter in LA who's just desperate and it's like nah kid you ain't got it what's this this and this you know you're not nailing it but talking to a maniac with a gun who's uh, uh you know a connected wise guy you got to tread lightly. And they're talking about Frankie and how he's kind of a contradictory character. But Christopher's like, should he keep the taps on his shoes? <laughs> it's like some <laughs> character thing, player yes. that he's added. And then he has this breakthrough. The roof is soft tar. That's genius. Uh, I yeah. love everything about this whole interaction. And then Favreau says something which, you know, it, you, it's almost read as he's kind of saying it as a goof. Like, oh, yeah, then the dad goes blind and he can smell the tar and he knows he did it. And, of course, again, this is genius to not only just regular Christopher Moltisanti, but high as fuck Christopher Moltisanti. Yeah, no, I thought it was, you know, I, I would have written that, too. That wasn't too bad. I mean, comparing it to the rest of the script, Jim, this is some A-grade uh, feedback he's getting here. This is going to really bump it up. Um, so then we have a dinner scene with Tony and Carmilla and, uh, Adriana and they're waiting They're Well, they're eating already, but, um, well, Tony's eating already and, um, and Carmilla is, but, uh, anyway, he shows up, he's the worst boyfriend and underling yeah. you've ever seen. Uh, I, I don't know if we've ever seen these four people sit down to dinner together, but just, Compare it to season one of him, like, why can't I get my foot in the door? He's sitting down with the big boss. Like, Tony's now the big boss, remember? So if you're having a, a, a sit-down just with him, that means you're moving on up to the east side. Yeah. But uh, he, he doesn't care because he's all about, you know, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to be a big actor. I'm going to get Vince Vaughn in my movie. I got connects. Um, so he pours his wine in his little bowl and leaves because they're all talking about... Marriage and uh, stuff like that. Marriage and food. And uh, <laughs> to be I, fair, they do talk a lot about food. And not not that it's, I mean, it's easy. They do spell it out in the episode, but I wish they kind of hit on it a little bit more because it's clear that, you know, 
Christopher, like in the same way that Holly, these Hollywood people are in awe of Christopher because of his, you know, connections, he's in awe of them and he's starting to think like he's in that crowd. Because you yep. can even see it, like I said, like he looks embarrassed by Adriana in the first scene because of the stuff she's saying. And even she's kind of, she doesn't say she's like a waitress. She says like, oh, I'm in the food service. Like, I get it. You always want to like impress someone who seems like they're like business and above you or whatever. And so, yeah. And like, I love that moment where they just kind of hang on Christopher when he's on the movie set and he's like looking at the equipment and the smoke and the production because I've, I've, I've felt that like if I've gone on like the Warner studio tour or something and you're like, Holy shit, like this is it. This is where things are. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not defending what he does because yeah, he's just being a prick about it. But it's this weird, like you know, he's starting to think he's above all this shit. Uh, he and then you know, yeah, I can't hear you guys talk about food anymore. And then uh, I think Tony has a great line where it's like, "Well, see, when you're older and married, you'll understand the quality of fresh, fresh produce or so, the importance <laughs> of fresh produce." <laughs> yeah, that is a good line. Um, it's also, uh, I mean, this is where Adriana spills like, "Oh, I've been so," because uh, he storms yeah. out. She cries and says, "You've been so supportive about his screenplay." We get a nice camera movement moving in on Tony because you know he was there in in episode one. He heard what he was saying about his dumb cousin, uh, and uh, he, he they've all also talked about like fucking mobsters. They're either gonna rat you out to the cops or they're gonna rat you out to fucking Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and neither is really great. Um, so so that's. I mean, it, it's like you said, or yeah, uh, like he's feeling like he's becoming part of something. It's the thing at the end of the episode that Tony says, you either go to whatever's calling you out there, a very poetic turn of phrase hmm. uh, from Tony, which is also, I think, true because he, he already threw this away. He threw it in the trash, but Adriana kept it and she helped him, helped bump him back towards it. She is right. She has been very supportive with it. But of course, uh, he goes and uh, then sleeps with her, the other lady, and uh, doesn't do a very good job and doesn't invite Adriana to come along or anything. So we did skip over that scene where she's upset about that, very yes. justifiably so. Yes, yeah, she's upset because, yeah, he just kind of comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, I went to set, and I've been hanging out with John Favreau. And when she's upset, he just says, Vince Vaughn wasn't there. Like, <laughs> like that's the, the, the thing. Because, um, yeah, after this, after he storms out, he does go back to Amy, and uh, they have another tryst and uh, kind of have some pillow talk afterwards where – he calls her like he says something. Oh, you Jews got this thing on lock or something, and she's like, "Oh, have you ever been with someone from the tribe before?" And and he's like, "Oh, have you ever been with a skinny guinea?" And it's a nice reminder that, yeah, of course, my your cousin uh, who I'm engaged <laughs> to, and and like it's great though because when he says late, like, because I don't believe any of this, even when she's upset here, uh, and she's like, "I'm a good person," and she like goes in the bathroom. She, I mean, you could tell so much from her character that she's just she just loves this drama because it, like you were saying, their whole job is dealing with these dramatic stories, and now she gets to kind of have a little bit of that in her life. Like, I don't feel like she gives a shit that she's cheating on Christopher, and as Christopher says later on, like, even Walnuts isn't as good a liar as you are. Like, I think this whole time she's lying. Oh, uh, yeah, that's an interesting uh, point of view. I think... She's definitely excited about this situation, excited about the murderer she, she's uh, sleeping with and everything. And I think you're probably right because 
her, I mean, m much like our lives, it's all about looking at these dramatic things, and then in our own life, we go out and sort of repeat stuff we've seen in, seen in movies and TV. <laughs> yep. And uh, this is sort of a juicy script in itself. Uh, it wouldn't be as exciting if it wasn't uh, her fiance's cousin. And the fact that he's in the mob is, you know, even better. Yes, yeah. And then Christopher picks up a script, and it's great because it's like he, you get the impression that even though Chris has been trying to write a script. He's never read one before. And, you know, that's always yeah. good advice is, like, to read some scripts to get an idea. Because he's like, oh, man, you could see the movie <laughs> on the page. Uh, and then he finds his story has been stolen uh, and put in the script. Or not his story, uh, the other wise guy's story. And then she's like, that's not the same. Your friend got blown by a seesaw or a swing set. He gets blown by the uh, the the what? Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty. Yes, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Kind of another classic, like Hollywood thing. Like this is completely different. You know, <laughs> we're yeah. here at a different thing. It's not a, a a intellectual property theft at all. We changed the name of the character by one letter. Come on. Um, so he storms off to the set, and I gotta say, like, every scene with Christopher this episode, even though it's very good, it's also got such an awkward feeling to it, like, I know he's gonna mess something up hugely at some point, so I'm kind of pausing this episode a lot more than I would usually, and kind of like, <laughs> oh, I need to do something else for a while, this is gonna go bad, I can just tell, because I do enjoy these bits when he goes into this world, but he always fucks it up. Um, so he storms to the set, and he's gonna confront, uh, gonna confront him, but, uh, I'm I'm kind of glad he wasn't there. He already flew off to L.A. Yeah, Favreau's already gone. Like first, yeah, first he starts banging on his hotel room door. He finds out he's gone. Goes to set, runs into Janine Garofalo again. Uh, he has another like uh, he has another like Italian type insult, and then she's like, "What's that? Is that good? Can I use that?" Like it's you know classic. You're like oh, just always looking for something that's unique, something that's real. You know, we're always searching for something real, yeah. uh, and. Then it kind of leads to a big fight at an agency where Amy's waiting because he can't get a hold of John, and he's still trying to get them to take this story out of the script. And she, yes. and then he asks about his own script, and she's like, based off what Mickey Blue Eyes, I think it was, based off yeah. Mickey Blue Eyes' first week in foreign. We're on a wait and see on mafia projects, but you know, hey, we will re anything you. We will definitely read anything else you write, or we'll we'll give you like the time of day, basically. Uh, and I think the only real moment from this character is when he calls her a D girl, and she gets pissed and says, "I'm a fucking vice president, you you piece of shit," or whatever she calls him. Yeah, because before that he says, "Nobody lies as good as you," and that's almost a compliment, uh, I guess, compared to a D girl. Which again, I didn't know what that is or why that's insulting, but she takes it as an insult for sure. Well, because even before that, like when Christopher's like, I really liked you and she she is she's still trying to manufacture a moment. She's like, oh, this is very William Inge. Well, I guess it's a playwright. I had to look him up. I didn't know the reference uh, offhand. I'm not going to pretend yeah. I did. Um, but even that, yeah. like she's trying to make like she's doing the thing. She's like earlier in the episode when she mentioned the crying game. She's trying to just relate it back to some other piece of media. Yes. Uh, which is what we do in life and in movies as well. Um, so this is how you do references. You don't do a Ready Player One, and you just uh, put them all over the place. Just you know, make it make the character uh, obsessed uh, with it, and uh, it'll it'll work out nice for you. Even if Jim and I both had to Google who that playwright was. Um, so at the end, I mean, the only part think... left of this storyline. 
Yeah, I think we should get to the end of this storyline. We will circle back. I think we yeah. should go back through the other story because they kind of like connect in a weird way. Yeah. So do you want to go back now or just, I mean, yeah. the only thing is he decides, I guess, mafia lives for me after all, just like it always was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we go back. I mean, as we say, AJ scuffs up the car and then he's kind of getting yelled at by Tony and Carmilla and he flips it on him because he starts getting existential about life and it, there is no God and life is absurd. Yeah, uh, it's like they decided he had to have a personality all of a sudden. or mm-hmm. so, I guess like a lot of teenage boys decide they need to have a personality after they read something. Um, and yeah, he just talks about how, what's the point of life? Death shows us the ultimate absurdity of life. He's been reading some niche. Well, it's great because... Here, when he first does it, uh, I get the sense he's just doing it to get out of being in trouble. But then you start to see, like, maybe it's really starting to sink in, you know, as he's, like, you know, talks to his grandmother and stuff like that. Uh, And then, yeah, Meadow has to come in and kind of break it down because Tony doesn't know how to to handle this. He's just like, oh, I'm going to put you through that fucking wall. Like, (laughs) is this what they teach you in that school? Like, (laughs) yeah. uh, I mean, Meadow comes in and... and, uh, uh drops that he's been reading you know he, he got assigned the stranger um yes so so of course he's gonna start babbling all this weird stuff this is what education looks like and they they don't really like that and he just start. I, I mean this is where it, this is in our soprano sitcom by the way hashtag soprano yes. sitcom this whole sequence everything he says the expressions on their faces the way uh, the way tony and carmela sort of look at each other after he says why were you born and stuff like that all of that just put some laugh track on there. We got a viral hit to go. Nobody steal our idea. Or if you do, give us the monetization money. Well, plus, I mean, it's 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 legitimately a great joke. Because when Meadow yeah. says, you know, one must choose in life between boredom and suffering. And then um, I forget what he says. AJ says something. Oh, confirmation or something is boring. And then Tony's like, well, the other option's suffering. Like, it's such a great retort and like kind of a sitcom line, like callback. So yeah. it, it does completely work. Yes, uh, I do. I do like the the vibe of this, and also, I mean, their kitchen, as we've said, is it looks like a fucking sitcom <laughs> yeah. kitchen. Um, so, I mean, shall we mention that Pussy is getting a bit pushed, well, very pushed by yeah. the FBI agent, who all of a sudden doesn't want to go meet in a, some store. He wants to come to his house so his wife can see him and everything, and yell at him about wiretapping his illegal business partners. Uh, which is kind of out of line. He does say, oh, you're pushing me just because you're getting pushed by someone, which we can totally tell because all the FBI guys in this episode are like yelling and screaming and there's a chopper in the background yeah. later. Yeah, all everything's intense. And um, yeah, he keeps asking about it was like a car bomb or some sort of explosion that killed somebody and he's trying to get information from Pussy on it. Now, it is very interesting, this shot, because I mean, the scene's at... Uh, uh, Big Pussy's house, but apparently he lives like at a cemetery, or you yeah. know, there's like a cemetery in the back. So I mean, Big Pussy obviously is flirting with death here. Um, so there's a nice little visual nod to that, because it, it, the way the scene's set up and just the way his shot is. Yeah, I mean, he he is facing out, like looking out over the graveyard, basically, and we don't need to see his face because he we know what he's facing uh, when he's looking out there. And, uh, and yeah, the guy says, you know, you don't act like a guy facing 30 to life for selling H. So um, we have a little more background on why he's 
snitching up like a motherfucker. Yes, yeah. And then we got Tony and Melfi, and Tony's kind of going over what he's dealing with with AJ. And um, there's a, another great line when um, Melfi says, like, oh, it looks like uh, young AJ's found ex- ex- uh, existentialism. And then Tony just goes, fucking internet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't get what that means. I, I guess that he would. What does that mean, really? Well, it, I, I, it's funny to me because it's either way. Like either Tony doesn't even know what that means, and he just yeah. assumes it's some weird thing he found on the internet. Like, like when she says, like he's found it. Like he oh, thinks yeah. he literally <laughs> found it, or it's yes. just because he's on the internet, like getting into shit he shouldn't be getting into. I, it's just I don't know. It's I don't fully get the intent, but like either way, it works really well for me. It made me laugh. Um, and yeah, they start talking about, yeah, there's no absolute truths except for death. And, you know, it's all interesting stuff to play around with. And it's the whole thing that I like to think about when I was a kid, you know, when you're a kid, you assume when you're an adult, like things open up and you figure stuff out a bit more. And it's not till you're an adult when you realize it's not like that different. And this is kind of that because the kid thinks he can talk to his dad or ask his dad some of these questions and get some sort of answer. But Tony's fucking just as confusing. He doesn't want to think about it. So, <laughs> Yes. I thought Melfi was intentionally transitioning it to talk about Tony and his point of view because he's expressed these sorts of ideas regarding death mm-hmm. and stuff before um, because she is describing what he's feeling. But they don't, they don't uh, frame it as her making it about him. Or if she does, she's so subtle about it that he actually gets to have the moment of like, oh, I think the kid's on to something. Yes, and um, excuse me if I'm mistaken. Is this when she is it? Do they have another scene where she brings up his mom? That's it. That is in this scene. Okay, as well. do you think that okay. type of talk about your mother being dead to you could lead yep. to this? Um, so that's that's here. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, that kind of ties in as well. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, then Tony has to take uh, AJ for a ride to go see uh, Big Pussy because he's getting ready for his confirmation. Now I grew up Catholic. I was never confirmed though. So I, I don't even know, like, a sponsor. I mean, I guess I was a godfather for my cousin's son. I don't know if he got confirmed, but I was the godfather there for the baptism. I assume the, the sponsor is a similar thing at the confirmation because that's kind of... I, I, don't th- I don't think it's the same thing. I mean, it's a similar thing. I'll also say, interestingly, even though Sweden is Lutheran, confirmation is quite common. Oh, well, I was going to ask it. about my that. My brother did it. Um, so, uh Yeah. You go and get do a thing, and you get a bunch of presents. Basically, yeah. is what that is all about. Uh, of course, if it's Catholic, it's going to be more rules heavy and intense, like most things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your sponsor, I guess, you gotta get. Who knows? It's pussy anyway. Yeah. The only reason why I thought it because then later in the episode, Tony goes, "Hey, where's the Godfather?" Um, mm. But I guess I mean you could be both. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Tony has to kind of ride in the car with AJ, and as we find out when he gets to. Um, pussy's garage it's like miserable for him <laughs> he doesn't want to do it because uh aj's still on his um uh same kick and but he's also showing anger because what he like punches the window at one point because he doesn't want to get confirmed because there is no god yeah. and you know tony has no answers for him yes and when he shows up or when they arrive pussy's like uh, I mean, he, he says about, how do you think you're going to act like that? I don't know what he says exactly. What were you thinking? Uh, you got to learn to respect the value of things. And then he gives him money, like <laughs> the dumbest thing ever. Like, here's some money to go buy a soda. And he goes and buys soda and some chips as well. So 
that's kind of interesting. Uh, it seems like a very, um, very these kind of people thing to do. They don't really know how to deal with kids, obviously, because uh, they just want them to get out of there and give them some money. But it's like, he does a bad thing, you just gave him some money. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, and then, um, again, like, very comedic because Tony's like, you know, his grades aren't even good. He got, like, a C, two Ds, and an F. And then, you know, he uh, AJ comes walking back up, and then Pussy's like, how are you doing in school? He's like, I got a C, two Ds, and an F. Like, he, just, <laughs> he doesn't care. It's not a big deal. And, yeah, yeah, he's got his soda and fucking chips now. Um, So, yeah, Big Pussy has his sponsors trying to kind of uh, uh, take AJ out and kind of get him talking, get him out of this funk that he's in. Have we seen Big Pussy's auto shop before? The only maybe when they had to find uh, the teacher's car, but then again, right. I don't even know if they were at the shop then or not. Well, I just remember that Tony mentioned he was going to sell the Jeep to put Big Pussy, and now I'm like, oh, okay, this makes more sense if he actually buys and sells cars and is more involved in that side of the business, maybe, uh, because if otherwise it would just be like. Pussy definitely wants a truck, and I know he does because uh, he always needs a really big car. But no, it was like he uh, he he deals in cars. Yes, yeah, he does because they did establish that in the one when they had to get AJ's teacher's car because uh, he typically chops them down or does whatever, and then they got those guys that stole it, and then they painted a new one. You know the whole thing, the other sitcom yeah. episode that they had. So then we get to the batting batting cages uh, with. Yeah, that's uh, that's Pussy's son in there yep. hitting them, hitting them balls, and uh, they get to have a moment of teenage connection where he corrects his pronunciation. It's Nietzsche, uh, and gives him a little bit. Hey, no, but Nietzsche was just copying this and that, and blah blah blah, and 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 gives him some more, which is also kind of comedic because it's like, of course, every teenage boy starts to question life and think they're the you know uh, they're they've got they're the ones who are figuring life out. And what does he say that uh, he like went crazy and started talking to his horse or something like that? Yep. I mean, I don't know a lot about yep. Nietzsche personally, but it's just it is funny how he starts hitting him with yeah some other uh, like philosophers and points of view, and then AJ can't respond, so he just brings up like Master P, and even that's like you still listen to rap, like even that like he's behind on apparently. He's like oh, just so yeah. commercial now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you should start at the beginning. Take a look at Kierkegaard, and he's like, whatever, and he starts not hitting the balls at all. Uh, uh, then he goes to like visit. A, seems like a good, uh, good, good hang session, more or less, though. Yeah, and it just kind of proves. I mean, we already know this, and it is just more teenage rebellion, and it's just kind of bullshit. It's just, you know, uh, we've been there. You know, you and I, we've been teenage boys. You, you, you start yeah. trying to be uh, smarter than everyone and try to hit them with the hit them with the knowledge when we really don't know shit. Uh, yeah, some people still do that at <laughs> showswhatyouknow.com. Yeah, they do. Um, so then he shows up at his grandmother's place, and every other time he's been, like, driven there or had to go there for one reason or another. So is it, I mean, is Melfi right? Is he, has he gone here because of these things, or is it because of his confirmation, or what do you think? I think it's because of that, but also he does mention that Big Pussy told him to go talk to her. Because right. he says, like, because okay. she's old and stuff or whatever, like his, you know, the AJ translation of what he told him because she's, you know, you're old and you have knowledge. <laughs> and it's interesting because usually Olivia is very happy to see him, but she pretends she's asleep. Uh, then she starts kind of giving him the, you know, guilt trip like, oh, I didn't know I had a grandson. 
Because, you know, people probably don't come to see her as much as they used to. Like, because even then you get the impression they were, had to, like you said, they were forced to visit her. And now that she's dead to them, um, they probably come way less. Yeah, and of course she brings up some news story about a bunch of teenagers, like, drowning in the car after driving off a, oh no, it hit a tree and they all burned to death or whatever it was. Like she does, this is her way of making small talk. And then she drops the knowledge we heard at the beginning of the episode. Well, it's great because I feel like she had a story in in her memory bank for either cuz first she says were you wearing a safety belt when he talks about the car accident and yeah. he says yes so that's why she has a story about kids that burned alive cuz they were wearing their safety safety belts they couldn't get out of the car so you figure it was either way if he said no it would have been another story about some kids that died cuz they didn't have their safety belts on uh and she also has a great line before that where she uh he says something about Tony, you know, Tony won't come down or something like that. And he goes, oh, he can go shit in his hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't make me like you, damn it, Livia. Oh, just in time for you to get offed by your daughter and her weird boyfriend. Fuck. Um, so we, we, we already went through a lot of what happens next, but basically Pussy's getting pushed with a chopper in the background well, to uh, I'm sorry, wear a wire. Co- I started to go back real quick. Um, yeah. Even though she's being Livia, and it's not like I subscribe to what she's saying because she's being doom and gloom, but I also, one of the reasons why I wanted to play that clip at the start of the show when she says it's all a big nothing, what makes you think you're so special, I feel like there's, there's some truth to that. Um, not to, I, but like, I, it's weird because I feel like I'm going on this road of like, life is meaningless, why are you even doing it? But <laughs> I feel like sometimes people put too much stock into being this special unique thing and sometimes you have to be like hey it's life deal with it you're not fucking better than anyone else you're gonna die just realize that and live life to the fullest like i can flip what she's saying and maybe put a positive spin on it but that's why i enjoy it because i feel like there's a little bit more truth to it than people that kind of get really caught up with finding the meaning of what they're supposed to be doing every day i mean that's uh i mean she's kind of mirroring uh the philosophical stuff that he's expressing at the beginning of the episode right i mean yeah like why is it why is there got to be a point but but his thing is more like oh there is no point let me figure this out and hers is like no just do what you gotta do and get on with it and go shit in your hat yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yes so speaking of uh getting on with it and shitting in a hat big pussy needs to wear a wire for the confirmation that's what they tell him they're putting pressure on him so we get a dramatic scene of him in the bathroom shaving his chest i guess to attach the wire and then his wife is outside yelling to get the mirror so he throws the mirror out she gets a key throws the mirror in and then she i'm gonna kill you and then his son comes in and this is no time for philosophy because you got to drag your father off your mother so he doesn't kill her and then he's there just crying because of uh, what he's been reduced to yeah and i think um one of the other guys like you said there's that scene when they're yelling at him and yeah they put the helicopter like there's a helicopter <laughs> zipping by it it is an interesting choice because it does make everything more intense i believe isn't that grasso that's yelling at him the guy that like broke a dish or whatever it was when he's in the sopranos uh house uh in the earlier episode either way oh is I, it I, yeah i think it might be but yeah you're right it's We've already heard from Angie's side of how, you know, she's kind of disgusted with her husband now. Yeah. But then you, even though, yeah, he's trying to murder her, I guess, trying to beat the shit out of her. But I still feel, obviously, you feel sorry for him because he has all this shit going on. And it's just that he's freaking out because he doesn't want her to know that he's trying to put a wire on to go to the confirmation. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he we find out he does because we get some nice shots of them out in their traditional uh, command-centered uh, little van, probably, uh, listening in on all the conversations at the after party where he shows up and gives uh, Tony a big hug. And I can't help but remember when he came back and they hugged and he was patting him down, basically. He is now wearing a wire. I almost thought later when uh, AJ hugs him that he was going to... I mean, I, I, I'm still not ruling this out that he next episode says to Tony or probably to Livia, like, hey, does does Uncle Pussy have a pacemaker that's on the outside? <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be like, what do you mean? Well, I felt this pacemaker thing. I don't know. It was on his chest. Something like that's probably going to happen. Because he, oh, yeah, they have used AJ a couple times. And even even though we're only in the middle of season two, he has been kind of the rat, the un, yeah. uh, the unknown rat a couple times. Yeah, you say rat, I say secret mastermind. We'll see where this all goes, where it all ends. Hmm, Christopher's in Hollywood, but AJ is hmm, the president. We'll see. And I mean, we do get a quick glimpse of Richie and Janice in this episode too at the party, and but things are like uh, a lot more lighthearted, and it's like, hey, Richie, bars that way. We lock up the silverware, and then Richie's like, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is a nice reminder to get to see it outside the episodes where everything's so intense because you get you understand why he didn't just kill him when he should have in the first episode he showed up in. Uh, yeah, and then so then we of course AJ still up to no good because they find him smoking weed in the garage during his confirmation party, <laughs> and I think Carmilla says, "What kind of animal <laughs> smokes weed <laughs> during his confirmation?" And AJ's like, "I don't know." Uh, he, said, he should have said, like, I don't know, a zebra or something like that. <laughs> yeah, if you want it to be that. even cooler. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, AJ, what a fucking party animal, stealing cars, smoking weed, <laughs> reading philosophy. Who wouldn't want to be this guy's uh, friend, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so it leads to, you know, Tony's kind of, he doesn't know what else to do now. And he, he, you know, tells Big Pussy, like, hey, maybe you need to talk to him again. Like, this is like, like the second time we've seen him turn to Big Pussy maybe to, to help AJ out a bit more, maybe thinking this more neutral party can get to him. And, of course, it just more leads to Big Pussy kind of having to speak out loud how long and true him and Tony's friendship has been, telling a story about uh, his sister, I believe, what had meningitis, and Tony would go with him every day to the hospital and kind of really stick by him. And, of course, here he is in this position wearing a wire and betraying his friend. And everything's kind of coming to a head for poor um, uh, Sal Bumpensero. Yeah. Yeah. Poor little rat. <laughs> a rat fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this is Tony really takes a back seat in this episode, by the yeah. way. I mean, this is Christopher's episode and it's Pussy's episode. And, and AJ. AJ. It's yeah. more AJ's episode than it is Tony's, which is a, a change of pace that we're not really used to. Uh, I mean, it'll often switch away and focus on something different, but maybe not focusing on like three different characters. It might be like Christopher in the foreground and Tony's doing something in the background, but it really feels like Christopher, uh, then we got Pussy, then we got AJ, and then Tony, he's just, you know, he's worried about the importance of fresh produce over here. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting, like you you'd brought up earlier in the discussion here that, you know, Tony himself said either you got guys turning rat to the feds or you know, turning to Hollywood and that we're basic. we are seeing both of those in this episode and it, and we yeah. are seeing their, them both come to a head at this confirmation party at the end, because, you know, it is intercut between 
Big Pussy sobbing in the bathroom because he, you know, is trying to deal with what he's going through. And then uh, Tony, like you said, giving a nice poetic, like, ultimatum to Christopher. Like, hey, you know, leave now and I'll never fucking see you again and do whatever you got to do. Or I'm going to look up and you're there and I'm going to assume that everything you do is for loyalty and be like a part of this thing. Uh, yeah. And I, I like... The episode itself, this episode in general is kind of whatever. I really like the fun stuff they do with Hollywood and some some of the comedy with AJ. But I feel like the end uh, really works like the best. Uh, is like when these things come to a head between these characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you had a very good point that we we see both sides of that, and we even get a crossfade between them. Mm-hmm. Him sitting crying in the bathroom, and Christopher sitting outside, gonna light a cigarette. But then you know what? I gotta go back in there and over it all. We got this Italian opera music because uh, everything is Italian. And uh, again, neither of them have really turned away from uh, this other path they're going on. They're still got one foot on uh, one foot on the boat, one foot on the docks, and they're slipping slipping further apart. Something's going to come to a head. Uh, I hope so. I feel like th- this Christopher thing is just going to keep being in the background. I mean, I joked earlier, but uh, I don't think this is going to be the thing that Tony kills Christopher for writing a movie. <laughs> I feel pussy, though. He's uh, He's... Uh, going down by the end of the season, I'd say. Well, here's a, here's a question I wanted to ask you. Um, do you believe Tony when he says, like, here's your chance, basically, here's your out? Like, if Christopher did just leave and was like, you know what, I don't want, I don't want a part of this thing. Because you, you know how they usually say, like, if you're connected or if you're in this thing, there's no out. Would he just let Christopher go and be like, that's that? Well, I guess not if he's writing all their personal stories on the silver screen. You know, it's like you're going to have to show up in Hollywood and come a knocking like, hey, duh, it was written between the lines. Don't write a movie about me, you fuck. Well, here's the other thing then. Um, Let's assume that Tony is telling the truth and he did let this would be an out. Do you think Christopher made the right choice? Hmm. I mean, he's uh, better at being a mobster than he is at being a writer. Uh, but I do enjoy seeing him write. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I mean, I guess this, like, for what you know now, and you know what, me, I hope I remember. I want to maybe put a footnote in this, and maybe down the line I'll come back and be like, now that we're at this point, do you think this was a good choice for Christopher? Uh, I mean, just from consuming a lot of mob stories, I know they're seldom like starry, happy endings for <laughs> yeah. any of the characters involved. So it probably would have worked out better, even if he didn't, you know, if he wasn't a great writer. I know lots of not great writers. They got okay lives, though. So maybe that would have been better. But his personality is so much more suited for being an actual mobster. You need to get someone to ghostwrite your story, just blab at favreau or someone like them and then they make it into a script you can read and you'll see the movie as you read it that's what you need to do get someone else to do that but you can't do that because you're selling out your boss and everyone you know so uh i guess he made the right call (laughs) yeah all right interesting i I like it um oh and there's one thing i need to say i know this is no spoilers but uh, every now and then i will need to call out next episode and for all my rewatchers out there, we all know next episode, the jacket. Hey, the jacket. You're never gonna hear. You're never gonna want to say the words the jacket 
the same way again after next week's episode. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, well, I very much look forward to that. And if you look forward to that, you can email your thoughts on the next episode to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. We'd also very much appreciate if you went to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, and uh, leave us a little review. Uh, it helps us if you give a star rating of five stars, but it helps even more if you do that and also write a little thing about why it's good. doesn't have to be long. Just, uh, you know, let us know what you like and what you don't like, what you want more in the show. Um, uh, how much you like the death counters that didn't go up at all this episode and the walkout counter, which didn't get any of that either. What else is there, Jim? Oh, my goodness. You can find more from Jacob at awesomepedia.org. Uh, all kinds of good stuff, content, podcast, music. You can also find more from me at jimandthem.com. Absolutely. So after that, I just have one more thing to say. Oh, what's that? Cut to black. <laughs>